Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone, welcome back. I'm Dr. Rob Zammett and it's a brand new episode of The Doggy Pod. Yes, it is a new episode of The Doggy Pod. Thanks for joining us. I'm producer Stephen Pajitas, so he's the vet, I'm the producer, if that makes any sense. That's how it works around here. And together we're talking all things dog. And this week we're going to do something a little bit different. I mean, what do you think are the most common reasons that people bring their dog to a vet, Stephen? Just... Come by and have a bit of a chat, see yeah. Dr. Rob, have a cup of tea, hang <laughs> so, out. Yeah, sometimes that does happen. I love those times, to be honest. But, you know, we're going to have a, a look at it. I've been a vet now for, well, over 40 years. I've worked in a veterinary practice for 50 years. I've been working in practices. So today, hey, hell, how old are you? Very old. Uh, you know what? I find sometimes old people use my year of birth. Unbelievable. I'm going to tell you about the top five reasons or ailments that people bring their dogs to me to see. I'm glad you're doing this because I've often wondered, yeah, what would be the top five things you'd go to a vet for? And I'd be thinking um, stomach upsets maybe or um, uh, an accident. Anyway, Mm, I'm sure you'll fit us in. Yeah, yeah. Um, We're also going to list another one of uh, our new segment, Dr. Rob's Dogs. And uh, as you know, we've talked before about how many dogs rob has and um he's going to talk us through another one this week uh and also we'll answer a question for one of our listeners uh, mm. which we like to do every week but first as we always do what's been happening in that vet clinic this week rob yeah well i've had a really busy week with uh for some reason tick cases we've had a lot of ticks we've had as many tick cases as this month we're in september when we're recording this in 2021 and we've had as many tick cases this month as we had all of last season, last year. 
The, wow. They're up in incredible numbers. Um, so big warning to anyone that lives in the coastal area in Australia. Obviously, we are going to have a bad tick season. We've also had a lot of snakes. Uh, quite a few snake bites have come in. But yeah, you mentioned yeah, that last week. Yeah, quite well, a few snakes. Everybody's still out there. We had two more snake bites this week. But tick cases, we had four this week, which for our practice where we are uh, on the outskirts of Sydney, it's quite a lot. We're not in a tick area as such. Tick areas adjoin us, so they're not too far away. But we're getting them from Northern Beaches area, uh, from uh, down south, and also from the areas around here. Lots of tick cases. So what happens when a dog gets a tick? The poison that enters their system causes them to become paralysed. The poison is an ascending. In other words, it starts from the bottom and works its way up the spine. And the first thing that happens is the, the back legs get a bit wobbly, and then eventually the dog can't walk on the back legs when the toxin hits that area. As it comes up the spine further, it hits the nerve that supplies the diaphragm, which is the muscle that makes you breathe. Once that gets paralysed, you die of respiratory paralysis. Really, I've often really wondered, bad. Uh, oh, I know, it's dreadful. Do dogs feel any pain uh, during I, that process? I, I think... It, the discomfort is from not being able to breathe, you know, just trying to breathe in and out and you, you just can't. Your muscle won't work and you literally build up fluid and suffocate. So it's pretty bad. And remember, ticks don't just affect dogs like that. Uh, there's often people in uh, the intensive care wards around our area that end up there because of a tick biting them. So if you go out into the bush... Make sure you check yourself as well as your dog. So how, how do people find out if they're in a tick area? Like, what is a tick area? Most um, vets know the tick areas. You know, like, I know exactly where all my tick cases have come from in this area. And people say, oh, I'm very worried in, certain, in a certain area that they live. So listen, I've never, in all the time I've been here, which is 40-plus years, never seen a tick from that area. The ticks come from... Um, critters that carry ticks on on them without having much effect. Bandicoots and possums are notorious for carrying ticks. And if you have those in your area, if you have possums in your area, you will have ticks. So there are certain feral animals that will carry ticks. uh, Not feral animals, native animals that will carry ticks. And you've got to be uh, aware of that. If you see them in your area, then it's probably a tick area. Good to know, mate. Have you ever wondered why people go to a vet? I mean, we've all taken our dogs to a vet at some stage. Um, Actually, I wonder if there's many people out there who have never taken their dog to a vet. I find that hard to believe, but you never know. So, Rob, what are the the five main reasons that people turn up on your doorstep with their mm. dog? What are they? Well, the first reason that people come through the door is usually cases of diarrhoea and vomiting. You know, dogs all of a sudden don't want to eat their food and they will vomit and they go outside and make a mess everywhere. And, of course, the dog is suffering. And why does that happen? Why is that the most common reason we see dogs? Well, they 
live in a world of smell, so they smell things, and of course they use their tongue to taste things. Even if it's a bit off, they'll sort of smell it, taste it, and think, oh, no, I don't want that, but they've picked up a bug very often. Or they'll pick up a virus from another dog because they go out into a park and you know, viruses do happen in dogs just like they do in people, and they'll pick up that sort of thing. So people will then rush to the vet. And I'll often say, yeah, if your dog has pale gums, has a lot of uh, pain in his gut, so you can see the dog arching up a little bit, is straining a lot, get them to the vet straight away. If the dog's otherwise happy but has a bit of diarrhoea and vomiting, the first thing I always recommend, don't feed it for the first 24 hours. You know, that night, don't give it any food. People find that very hard to do, but it's the best thing to give the gut a rest and try and let things pass through without you know, putting more and more stuff in there. I, I can it, hear, hear one of your dogs outside us he's, right he's now. Disagreeing. He's disagreeing. He's like, no, I want my food. What's, what's his problem? Gee, I don't know. God, what do you mean starve us for 24 yeah, exactly. hours? Exactly. You, you try well it yourself. Sorry, buddy. So, okay, so, so vomiting and diarrhea, yes. Yep, so stop food. For, if the vomiting continues, get to the vet because they will dehydrate and lose a lot of potassium and other things that are really essential to the dog. Um, if the diarrhea is really continuing all the time or if there's blood in the diarrhea, get to the vet. But if it's just some soft motion, some yucky, you know, makes a mess, occasional vomit, don't feed for 24 hours. Then try feeding white rice and you cook the white rice uh, with plenty of water in it, let it get really soft, turn the heat off and leave it, let it cool off. Do not rinse it, do not strain it. Leave that rice water, please, in with the rice. All the starch in there will coat the bowel and coat the intestines, calm it down and actually help it therapeutically. It'll really help. The dog will not eat rice on its own. People say, I cooked the rice, gave it to the dog and doesn't want to eat it. Of course not. You've got to mix something with it that gives it some flavour. And the best thing is either cooked chicken or cooked meat of some kind, cooked mince. Mix that up with the rice. That gives it some flavour. You can add a little bit of stock with it because stock often has electrolytes. So those three things, cooked rice, some stock and some cooked meat of some kind, that's all I give them. And if it's responding, you stay on that diet for two or three days. Then on the third or fourth day when you decide, I want to go back to the normal food, you do that very slowly. Just a little bit of the normal food mixed with the rice and the meat and slowly bring them up to, to speed to a normal level. <laughs> I think uh, one of your dogs outside our I studio so. is, is getting hungry just thinking about all of that. I'm telling you, they like that cooked meat and rice as dogs. <laughs> What's so what would be, what would, out there? What would be uh, number two on your list? So, of course, the second most common reason is vaccinations. Dogs like us need vaccinations. They need vaccinations for canine distemper, hepatitis and parvo. They're the essentials. They also require vaccinations for a thing called kennel cough, which is a syndrome brought on by two bugs, a, a virus called parainfluenza virus, and another bug called Bordetella bronchiceptor. You think, what the hell, why is he telling me all this? Because Bordetella bronchiceptor is related to whooping cough. Whooping cough is Bordetella pertussis. And the two can cross-infect. So if your dog does develop kennel cough, yeah, keep him away from you, your, yourself or certainly from children 
because they can give that bug to kids. Just be mindful of that. It's not a big issue, but just be mindful. You can vaccinate for all these. And uh, the kennel cough component, we vaccinate for about uh, 28 variants in the field, but there's more of them. There's usually around some 40-odd variants. So your dog can still pick up kennel cough if it's vaccinated, but because it has had the vaccine, it gets over it quickly. A bit like COVID, eh? So if you vaccinate with, COVID, with the vaccine and you get it, it's just a bit of a flu and you get over it quickly. Same with the kennel cough vaccinations. Um, and I wonder then if there, va- are, there are anti-vaxxer dogs out there, do you think? Oh, yes. Oh, that's, and unfortunately, the dogs suffer. I've had, uh, we've had occasions where people have just, because of fashion or whatever, have said no more vaccinations and they don't. The vets only do it for the money and so they don't vaccinate. And what comes out are all the nasty bugs. Distemper comes out when people don't vaccinate. We see it. You, know, you think distemper is no longer around, but boy, it comes out when they don't vaccinate. And of course, parvovirus. And I can tell you, Stephen, now, I hate treating those things because it can lead to death or permanent damage of the animal. Uh, yet, if we treat one dog for parvo, you'd make more money than doing probably 10 or 20 vaccinations. That's what it's like. I'd prefer not to make the money and vaccinate. Yes, there are anti-vaxxers around. They'll tell you dogs don't need it. Dogs get cancer from vaccines. Dogs' uh, immunity is, is not like that. They only need it when they're little and never again. Well, we don't know. You know so certainly, you mightn't have to do it every year. After you do it after two or three years, you could do it every second year or every third year, but dogs still need vaccinations. Parvo is alive and well out there, as is distemper, as is hepatitis. Uh, and so without vaccinations, your dog is certainly, um, unfortunately, exposed to those sort of bugs. Yeah, you've got to look after your dog. Okay, what's, what would be the third? reason people come to you well what dogs do what the dogs love doing tearing around the backyard with you know for no reason just the joy of running you know dogs are built to to hunt and run and enjoy life so they do things to injure themselves the same way as kids do when they overdo it lameness is one of the most common reasons we'll see dogs so when we see a dog with lameness we'll often try and locate the actual spot and find out, we have to find out whether it's, is it muscular, is it tendon, is it bone? You know, why is the lameness there, what's happened, uh, and whereabouts? Is it in the toe, is it in the knee joint, or is it in the hip joint? What's causing this lameness? Is it the dog is old and has arthritis? You know, all sorts of things, or worse still. You know, we see dogs come in with lameness, and people don't realise they've got bone cancer. So when we see a lameness... There's a broad spectrum of possibilities. Most lamenesses are treated with what's called non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, and your vet can decide which is the best for your dog, and it goes away and you don't see it. So let's go on to the next thing, of course, skin problems, number four. Skin problems, yeah, common in dogs. Why? Because dogs will have very sensitive skin and that goes they go out and play on the grass that they're allergic to what type of plants mainly cause allergies uh, grass like buffalo grass is notorious a lot of dogs are allergic to buffalo grass uh, 
if I was to pick a grass, I guess cooch is one of the best. It's a nice soft grass. The problem is, of course, cooch is much harder to grow uh, and look after. But if, you've, if you can grow cooch, that's way better for your dog. Kaikuyu, that's pretty good as well. But buffalo, try and avoid buffalo grass. Even the, um, the hypoallergenic, you know, the low allergy buffalo grasses cause a hell of a lot of allergy in dogs. So the Sir Walter and that, nice grass, easy to grow, doesn't, doesn't take a lot of uh, care, don't have to mow it too often, but your dog could be allergic to it. Vines are really bad. I don't care what sort of vine it is. I've never seen uh, a vine that a dog's not allergic to, be it jasmine, be it really? ivy. Wow, Any of those vines, dogs tend to be very allergic to them. And, of course, then you've got certain foods that can cause allergies if the dog is built that way. And for those, your vet has to do special dietary tests, what's called elimination tests, to see what food could be causing allergy in your dogs. Okay, okay. so what's, what's the fifth reason people come to see Dr. Yeah. Rob? Okay, well, there's, I'm going to break this up into part A and part B. Oh, part, part A is lumps and bumps, you know, tumours and cancers. People will often come in for, you know, for tumours on their dogs or for a lump, and they get very worried when they say, oh, yes, we'll check that tumour out. A tumour is just any lump, any bump. It doesn't mean it's necessarily a malignant cancer. Uh, it depends. You know, we have to find out what it is, if it's malignant or not. Uh, don't expect your vet or anyone else to be able to just feel it and say, oh, yeah, that's a malignant cancer. It takes a biopsy at least. If not, uh, it has to be removed and sent away to pathology for histopathology to find out if it's malignant or not. People come in often with a dog that's got a really big lump and it's been there for a while and they say, we're just worried, is it cancerous? If it's been there for a long while and uh, hasn't caused any problems yet, it's probably a benign cancer, unlikely to be malignant. But remember... Benign cancers can turn malignant. Very common. Just always, I guess, spend some time running your hands over your dog. Learn what's normal. So that if you yeah, see any lumps yeah. coming up, the quicker you can get them to us, the better. So what's part B? We had a case, actually, and I was thought, will I talk about this or not? <clears throat> it's happened many times. People say, my male dog has a big tumour, and it's you know, sort of behind the penis and it, it looks like a big <laughs> lump there and it's not actually a, a tumour it's the dog's just happy to see you Stephen yes it's an erection <laughs> when dogs get uh, an erection they have this bulb on the penis that swells up like a uh, you think it's a cancer if you don't know what it is but it brings me the, to the other reason that people come at least to our clinic it's for sex Sorry, Rob, uh, I just misheard you there. I thought, just for a second, I thought you said they oh, go to your clinic for sex. Sorry. They um, do. They come for sex. Doggy, doggy style. Doggy style. And people like to breed their dogs, and they like help with breeding dogs, so they do it properly. I mean, uh, most women do go to either a midwife or a gynecologist, an obstetrician, don't they, when they're correct, trying to get pregnant correct. or <clears throat> once they're pregnant, they same deal with dogs. They do need um, the right type. I mean, People say, oh, but dogs used to breed un under the house. They're natural. Yeah, within reason. There's lots of dogs that just you know, don't know what to do because they, they, dogs are a pack animal. They learn from watching, would you believe? 
Yeah, I guess they're voyeurs. <laughs> Hadn't thought of that. Uh, they, yeah, they as youngsters, they're watching what the older dogs are doing and learning by mimic behaviour and they're smelling all the hormones. And if they haven't had all that and all of a sudden they're yeah, three years old, I want to make these this pair and the dog doesn't seem to know what to do and she won't let him do it, that's when we step in and help. We, we do uh, tests on the female to work out exactly when her fertile period is. You know, we, we do that through uh, blood analysis. We say, right, this is the time to mate. If the dog won't mate, then we will do artificial insemination. You know, a little bit like in, you know, we talk about um, in vitro fertilization in humans. Well, we don't have to go quite that far. We, we do have to take semen from the dog and everybody asks, how do you do that? Uh, well, yes, well, I wasn't going to ask, but I guess you're about to tell us, aren't you? Well, we use an artificial vagina. It's the only place, I guess, on earth where you can. I've got a client there that's waiting for an AI. I say, Oh, just a minute, I'll go grab a vagina. Yeah, I mean, you can't really <laughs> say that in public generally, but we do at the clinic. Um, so we use a, a, an actual artificial vagina and a tube and collect the dog uh, in a sterile fashion. And then we place it into the female, into the female. Um, very top part of the vagina or even through the cervix depending on what type of insemination we're doing. So yeah, we do that and of course at the other end if there's problems we do step in and do caesarean sections and because we have been a what's called a breeding practice, we see a lot of the breeders have been doing that for a long time um, all my life actually uh, then we do get a lot of breeders that come here for a C-section because of the way we do particularly do them and the results they get. So, yep, they're about the most common reasons that uh, I see people for dogs. And we've started a new segment on the Doggy Pod because so many people ask us, you know, how many dogs does Rob have? And the answer is a ton or a lot. No, no, it's two. Many. Many. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it even comes with its own dad joke. And, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I and, love um, it. But they're all different shapes and sizes, and I tell you what, yeah, it's, it's hard to keep track. So um, each yeah. week Rob's just going to quickly introduce another one. So last week we, uh, we were told about, I think it was Strauss, your first ever dog. Yeah, my German and, Shepherd. Yeah, beautiful dog by the sound of it. I wish I'd met him. But um, mm. this week I think it's, it's one of the dogs that's currently living with you. Yeah, look, he's my chicken farming dog. Actually, not really bred as a chicken farming dog, but every morning, Albert and I, we go out with the chicken food to feed the chickens and collect the eggs and clean the water and everything. He's there by my side all the time, my little pug. And I can hear him at night because he's on the bed with me, snoring away. I mean that. How old is Albert? Albert is now about, oh, he's about eight now. And I was just looking at him, I thought, oh, he's getting some grey hairs on his muzzle. I thought, oh, I felt so sad today when I saw that. I thought, little man, you're, you're getting on when that really shouldn't oh. do that because I should live in the moment. He's happy, he's alive, he's with me. Learn to live like a dog, people. Live in the moment. And, yeah, we'll go out again every morning and keep doing that for the rest of Albert's life. One of the most obedient little dogs I've ever had. You know, don't think of pugs as being obedient. Yet one of my friends actually goes to obedience trials with a pug, and she does very, very well with her little pug. She used to train Shetland Sheepdogs and uh, bigger dogs, but she decided, uh, a bit too big, we're going even smaller, and she's got a pug now. 
But um, the pug is, you know, the classic Chinese dog. Uh, they've got the squashed-in face. The reason we ended up getting a pug at all was my youngest daughter, when she was three and a half, four, she said, I want my own dog, Daddy. And I said, what do you want? She said, I want a foo-foo dog. I said, what's a foo-foo dog? She said, you know, a foo dog. Well, Steve, would you believe that when the ancient warriors of China were dug up, they found a statue of a pug. But it wasn't called oh, a pug. It. it was called a foo-foo dog. How the hell did my daughter know that before it was even dug up? I don't know. But, yeah, very loyal dogs, lovely dogs, great little guard dogs. They bark if anyone comes towards the house. They'll let you know. They'll, they'll, I don't think they realise they're so small. I mean, they're only a little guy, uh, and they would be ideal as a child's pet. Uh, I like Albert because he's got nice wide nostrils. That's a problem in the breed sometimes. You see them with pinched nostrils and they can't breathe properly. And, of course, they can have long, soft palates and respiratory problems, and that requires surgery. Touchwood, he's been bred well and doesn't have any of those problems. Sound little dog, uh, short-coated dogs, very happy, continually sneezes in your face every now and then. But I love him dearly. It wouldn't be without him. And for people who follow us on Instagram, which you all should, of course, yeah. uh, the doggy pod, um, Rob regularly posts pictures of little Albert and him and Albert. So, yeah, check the little fella out. Okay, this week we will put another one up of Albert yeah. night. Yeah, yeah, actually, Albert with you and the chickens would be good. And the chickens, that's <laughs> he'd like that. Okay, if you've got a question for Dr. Rob, you know, you can just go straight to the doggy pod or one word at gmail.com and, and we'll answer your questions. It's that easy. I'm sure you've got something you ought to ask him. About dogs, anyway. Uh, and this, this week, uh, we've got a, a very short question from Alexia Tomasello, I think is the right pronunciation. And uh, she says, what, have you, what are your views on dog parks? Now, I know we've mm. talked about dog parks before, but I, I, you were saying earlier, yeah, you do have some when, thoughts on dog parks. Many years ago, when the first review came up of the legislation for keeping dogs, I was on that committee and we pushed for dog parks. They weren't available, you know, couldn't take your dog to a park at all. And I thought this is a great idea. Unfortunately, I was wrong. Uh, the reason I was wrong is that people go there with undesexed, big, aggressive dogs. And we've had to repair quite a few, especially the little dogs, that a big dog will grab and make absolutely mince meat out of because some of these dogs are, are really aggressive, haven't been trained. And but also owners, some of them are... Are just playing as well, I'm guessing. Well, you get the ones that just play and they, they mean to hurt. When they just, we had had that story recently where the, a big dog just landed on a little dog and broke legs and pelvises and it didn't mean to happen, but it did happen. So that's one of the reasons that this these people want to go there with their big dogs to show how tough they are. Um, and the other reason I don't like it, those big tough people, by the way, it's just... Not their fault. They've got small penises. The other reason that they, that I don't <laughs> like parks is they forget to pick up their poo. And so people that don't worm their dogs and go there and their dogs droppings everywhere, what's being laid in those parks? Lots of worm eggs. So when your dog goes along and sniffs that area, your dog's going to pick up worms. So essential that you worm your dog once a month if you go to the dog parks. Uh, you might want to find other areas of the world these days to walk your dog and maybe to let your dog have a free run 
rather than some of the parks, or find out times when they're not so popular, when there's not a lot of people there. I would have thought it would have been good for socialisation, but unfortunately, some people are there not for socialisation. They just want their dogs to go and chase other dogs. Not nice. Well, there's your answer anyway. Thanks very much for joining us this week on The Doggy Pod. We hope you've enjoyed listening and we hope you've enjoyed, you've learned a few things as well, which is always part of the fun, hopefully. Um, We'll see you next week. Uh, As always, new episodes out every Friday. Um, Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram where there's always new stuff being posted. And uh, as always, Dr. Rob would like to have the last word. Yeah. So the best therapist you can have in the world is a dog and if you've never had a dog or a puppy lick you on the face you've never had that therapy you're missing out folks see you next week bye bye this message comes from bof sponsor ebay You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, You can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.